0: Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute Weekly Podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. How you been, Chrissy?
1: Doing well. Good. You?
0: Good.
1: Busy?
0: Yes. Yes. Quite busy.
1: Busy is good.
0: Busy is good. Mm-hmm. Um. There's really nothing to be gained from sitting around. Um, no. In most cases. You know, a little bit of rest time can be good, but
1: mm-hmm. not too much. Well, body in motion stays in motion, and then it just goes from there.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, You're back to running, right?
1: I am. Did you run today? I did. Did you? I Before the sun was up.
0: Mm, it's a perfect morning.
1: It was a great morning. So, love it. Well, oh, body in motion
0: stays in motion. That's That's right. We're actually talking today about keeping people in motion, keeping things doing well, and um, essentially PRP as a method to do that. But this is the Laser Therapy Institute podcast, not the PRP Institute podcast. So we're gonna talk about how to utilize light and laser therapy along with PRP. And I think this will actually be pretty valuable to a lot of people because if you do laser or light therapy in your clinic, You're probably going to see patients who have had PRP done. And if you do PRP in your clinic, you should be doing laser therapy as well. If you are doing regenerative medicine at all, any kind, whether it's bone marrow concentrate, uh, PRP, prolotherapy, Mm -hmm. really any of these, you should be doing laser therapy as well. So today we're going to focus on how to operate your laser in conjunction with PRP. I have a three-step process for you that we'll get to at the end. Um, and uh, I I think it'll be pretty useful. This is not gonna be um, us making clinical recommendations. Mm -mm. This is not us telling you uh, what you should be doing in your practice. You have to decide that on your own as a healthcare provider. However, we're gonna look at some research that is pretty interesting, very new research um, that I've kinda combined here to come up with what could be future recommendations for using light therapy in conjunction with PRP. So we'll get into it right now. I'm joined today by Christy. Christy is a certified laser tech, has been doing laser for years and years. She's also the lead developer of our online learning materials for Laser Therapy Institute. If you're a healthcare provider, you're looking for laser therapy training, you're looking for settings, protocols, things like that, we can hook you up. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is online training you could start today. Very true. Very true. very true and it's good stuff too christy won't tell you but she does a great job putting this stuff together so uh, my name is jason Rountree. i'm a chiropractor and i'm also a certified medical laser safety officer i'm the clinic director of a multidisciplinary clinic that works on pain and aesthetics uh, including prp hyaluronic acid injections joint injections laser therapy laser aesthetics some other stuff so
1: and the brains behind all the training that we put out Yes,
0: yes. Unfortunately for everyone that works with me, they have to translate all the things that fly out of my mouth and to actual usable material, but they do a great job doing it. So, uh, stick with me here. We're going to get into uh, this right away. So, PRP. What is PRP? Do you know what PRP is, Christy?
1: I know it's a blood... It has to do with blood and transfusion... Not transfusion, but... I don't know what, I cannot tell you what PRP stands for. Perfect. But I do know that it has to do with blood.
0: It does. Okay, great. So I was hoping you wouldn't (laughs) spout out a really awesome answer and then show me up. So PRP uh, stands for platelet-rich plasma. And essentially, you're exactly right, it's blood. We're taking blood from the patient, you're spinning it. Mm-hmm. And then through, there's a couple different ways to do this, but essentially you end up separating out the platelets mm-hmm. and you put those, kind of reconstitute those with a little bit of plasma. Mm-hmm. And what you get is a higher concentration of platelets in this small amount of plasma. And then those platelets are able to be delivered to whatever part of the body yeah. you're treating, uh, whether that's a soft tissue condition or a um, a connective tissue disorder or a joint arthritic mm-hmm. Condition whatever you want to work on essentially and these are being used for all kinds of things I mean in the last week we've done injections in the SI joints and the facet joints in the low back We've done uh, Achilles tendon. We've done knees. We, I mean, you know, and that's just here And so this is actually becoming more and more used across the country as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: So uh, the great thing with PRP is it's a patient's own product Right? So you don't have any kind of rejection issues. It's extremely safe. You can draw, prepare, and re-inject that material within about 30 minutes or so in most cases. Um, And if you're good with it, you can actually play with the concentrations of of the PRP to get the right level of concentration for that patient. Um, And then, you know, of course, typically guided injections to deliver that material exactly where it needs to go.
1: And that was going to be my question or my my clarification, is it's just a concentrated form of their own product really delivered to a site-specific area to increase uh, the regeneration?
0: Right. Yeah, okay. that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So platelets have a, a lot of um, intercellular signaling capability. Essentially, they detect damage mm-hmm. and they activate to bring in more irritation, more inflammatory processes, which is the first step in healing, and you, you need that. Right. And also control some of the the negative effects of chronic inflammation. So when we do a PRP injection, what we typically see is a reduction in pain gradually over a couple of days, followed by a consistently, um, you know, over about a four week period, consistent progression in terms of the patient's success and, and reduction of pain, um, improve strength, improve capabilities, things like that. You know, again, depending on where what we're treating. Mm-hmm. So, in um, in a lot of cases, you'll see PRP studies out there with some mixed results. Um, sometimes PRP to some researchers, rec- excuse me, to some researchers means like a one times concentration, which is just plasma Mm, with regular platelets that's not Mm -hmm. really platelet rich right Uh, sometimes it's only a two times concentration Um, a lot of people though out there are using a you know five to ten times concentration of platelets so this is you know Mm. close to a billion platelets in some cases that are being isolated and injected into this area and so that can really stimulate a lot of repair so i'll just go ahead and, and read this um so PRP is a concentrated solution of platelets, growth factors, signaling molecules, and other plasma proteins that play vital roles in orchestrating tissue healing and joint stabilization. So, um, your body does this on its own. Mm -hmm. When you get a cut, it clots, right? Right. That's the initial action of platelets, and then they stimulate that ongoing repair. This doesn't really happen in a lot of connective tissues. Do you know why? No. Because they don't have much blood flow. Gotcha. Mm Mm-hmm. And it so, had to do with blood. Yep, yep. <laughs> it has to do with blood. That's the whole thing we're talking about this this time. Yeah. So, if you don't have blood flow to an area and it gets injured, then what happens is the injury just sits there and doesn't really do anything. Those platelets, the blood flow itself is not getting there to stimulate that repair process, or very little is. Mm-hmm. So, the idea is you're taking the the body's um, materials and just putting them where they are supposed to be going to do this repair. So, um Plates have tons of growth factors which are released at the site of injury and then they continue to signal and they call for other healing factors to be drawn in. Um, it's it's very quick. It's very safe. Um, and and it, because it's really natural, it's great. So compare that to cortisone.
1: And from my understanding, cortisone breaks things down rather than repairs, really.
0: Yes, essentially, yeah. It does stop an inflammatory process. But again, mm-hmm. the inflammatory process is part of healing. Mm-hmm. And we know now... Um, really, really consistently, we've seen that cortisone actually deactivates important cells like chondrocytes that build up cartilage, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and so, if injecting, especially repeated injections of cortisone, does do damage to joints and connective tissues. So, good thing to stay away from. And if we've got an option like PRP, right. that can be helpful. Now, there's a couple of studies out there that indicate that, that PRP effects can actually be enhanced by using lasers and light. Not surprised because laser therapy stimulates the body's natural healing process. So, you know, pairing these together seems like a natural thing. But we don't like to just go off of feelings. We want to see right. the studies, right? right. So um, the thing is that once blood is removed from the body, it's a kind of a traumatic process. So the draw process itself puts a lot of shear forces on platelets and red blood cells. And it actually does some level of damage to the blood. Now, it's not a huge amount, but it is some level of decreasing the potential of that specimen. As you're drawing the blood, you're doing some level of damage to it. Also, you do use an anticoagulant, um, like sodium citrate, when you draw blood. But there's still some level of clotting that can happen even in the needle as you're drawing that blood, Um, and the clotting deactivates in a way, those platelets, Mm. or it kind of prematurely activates those platelets, which is not something you want if you want to get those platelets delivered to an injured site, right? So what you can look at doing is using light therapy to reversibly inhibit the platelet activation. So at this point, we know that applying light to the whole blood kind of puts those on pause. It almost like puts them to sleep. So, so you do accurate. the
1: light therapy before withdrawing the blood?
0: You do it after you have the specimen.
1: Gotcha.
0: While okay. it's in the body, it, it's not really something you can you can treat necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you could apply light to the vein above where you're drawing. Um, but this particular study that I'm referencing here, they drew the blood and then they lit the blood up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they pulled it out got it in, in the in the syringe right mm-hmm. put the light on it because you usually have a clear syringe so mm-hmm. you can apply right. light therapy right. to that syringe and they saw that it leads to a uh, uh, clear anti-aggregation effects or, or less clotting and then that discontinuing that leads to the cessation of that effect on platelet aggregation about 30 to 60 minutes after the end of doing the light therapy so you can pull the blood light it up and you've mm-hmm. got 30 to 60 minutes where that is more stabilized where you okay. don't have platelet aggregation and lysis, right? Mm-hmm. Which means you're preserving more of that platelet population right. for the injection you're trying to do, right? Because it's going to take 20, 30 minutes to process that blood.
1: Because you're spinning that blood to separate it. Exactly. And so, you're keeping it alive basically while it's spun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, if you inhibit that, yeah, you lead to... Um, um, you know more of the platelets being ready it doesn't actually change the platelet count you know we're not increasing platelets No, we're just preserving what's there Mm -hmm. and to the point that it doesn't reduce the total platelet count even hours of uh, of doing photomodulation on the blood can actually preserve that for for several hours you don't really need that for prp you just need 30 minutes or so so to you know really just hitting it with some light can can do quite a bit interesting And then because it's because it's temporary, Mm -hmm. once you've injected it, they start kind of waking up, and then they get to get to work.
1: Get to work. Mm -hmm. It's like nap time is over. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So, um, so that's the platelets, which are important. But then the other side said, you know, you got red blood cells that can lice they, 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 they start to kind of fall apart because of some of the forces involved with the draw and then the processing and so forth and so um, this study actually says the high shear forces during specimen collection can liberate harmful hemolytic hemoglobin component components from disintegrating red blood cells leading to oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is a process that damages cells, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. putting a bunch of oxidative stress on the cells you're about to try and separate is generally not a good thing. Plus, if you lyse these red blood cells, then you're letting these cellular components just free into the plasma. And so when you do your centrifuge process, mm-hmm. you're going to separate red blood cells and the plasma. Mm-hmm. But if you've lysed a bunch of those red blood cells, you've got red blood cell components now in your plasma. Mm-hmm. And that's bad because... Oxidative stress means inflammation. The more inflammation that you um, allow to happen or cause to happen with your injection, the more painful the injection is.
1: Interesting. Okay, because that's a lot of stress, even in this centrifugation process on the on the cells and right. So wow. yeah,
0: exactly. Hmm. So you want to avoid red blood cell lysis when you're doing your PRP process, and and so there's there's different ways to do that, you know. But really, you can't avoid some of the the Uh, inflammatory oxidative effects that happen even just from doing the draw and then yeah over the next um you know 20 30 minutes especially if you're doing like a double spin technique um which seems to be about the best Mm -hmm. you know you spin it once separate it spin it again to separate uh, you know to concentrate the platelets and then draw off enough plasma that you can really concentrate it if you're doing that process there's a lot that has to happen and so you want to avoid as much of these inflammatory hemolytic pieces like getting into your plasma as you can um, if they do lice, if these red blood cells do come apart in this process, it also releases platelet activating factor. What do you think that one does? Platelet activating factor.
1: It gets things going.
0: Yeah, it activates your platelets, yeah. which we don't want. No. Until it's, until, until it's they're going back into the body. Exactly. So we don't want that. We don't want platelet activating factor mm-hmm. coming out and also it releases macrophage migration inhibitory factor which is a really really strong inflammatory cytokine Mm -hmm. and like we said earlier a little inflammation caused by the platelets is an okay, okay thing. thing we don't want mm-hmm. the red blood cell caused inflammation because that is much much more potent it's too much and so that's where you'll get people that have a lot of pain after an, a, 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 a prp injection it can still accomplish very good things mm-hmm. but a, a really good prp injection should not have a lot of pain afterward
1: okay or
0: swelling or mm-hmm. redness
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if you, if you do, if you're doing PRP and you have a really large amount of inflammation right afterward, um, then you probably have a not ideal process. You're probably getting some red blood cells, some white blood cells in the mix. Maybe you're lysing some of the red blood cells, and that's creating this inflammatory response. Really, everything should be pretty settled after a PRP injection for, in, in most cases.
1: So would that be done in the centrifuge process, or...? I mean, how do you know? How do you remedy that?
0: Yeah, well, it turns out laser helps to head okay. that off. I was, so, I was
1: planning that lead. That was that
0: was actually very good. <laughs> so so um, just to quote this the study again that those factors, the macrophage migration inhibitory factor and platelet activating factors, those might ultimately lead to secondary inflammatory conditions further down downstream. Um, And there's a huge amount of the macrophage migration inhibitory factor within the red blood cells. So you really don't want to lyse any of that or as little as possible. So they say physicians should choose the PrEP method that safeguards that biologic. Okay. Additional research, different paper now, Mm -hmm. says that near-infrared photobiomodulation limits red blood cell lysis. So they should have more excellent resistance to osmotic stress. Osmotic stress is a fluid-based stress of exchange, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can minimize that stress, you're gonna limit the amount of red blood cells that actually get torn up. Okay. Now what we're gonna do, this is like five different studies here. Thank you for your comment, Jerry. Um, this is like five different studies. I'm gonna drop links to all these. Um, and actually we're putting this into a blog post that we'll publish here. Um, uh, it should be in about an hour. So you can actually read this as well, um, and you can go through and look at those links also. Okay. So if we can light up the if we can light up the blood, mm-hmm. the whole blood right after draw, then you're going to help to put those platelets to sleep mm-hmm. and you're going to protect the red blood cells from being lysed, which means you're going to come away with a more pure platelet-rich plasma product with less of those red blood cells and red blood cell products in there, which is good because you're going to have less inflammation and you're also gonna have platelets that have gone to sleep rather than trying to activate, Mm -hmm. that then become activated once they get into the tissues. Right. There's one more step though. We can actually activate those platelets with light Mm -hmm. after we've spun them down and we have it ready to inject. So you take your final product and you can apply light because they say in in an additional study here, that photobiomodulation can be used to enable sustained growth factor release, which is exactly what we want from PRP. We want Mm -hmm. that sustained release Mm -hmm. of growth factors over time. So after applying light to PRP, the researchers saw that ATP secretion, calcium release significantly increased and that you also got some additional factors of growth released there too. P-selectin expression was increased. In conclusion, PRP was successfully activated with light and then realized activation-dependent sustained growth factor release over a 28-day period. Hmm. So that's about four weeks of sustained growth, which is exactly what we're trying to go for with PRP. And that's, you know, there's a lot of studies out there that do show about four weeks or so, four to six weeks of sustained growth factor. Um, But if you can use your light to stimulate more Mm -hmm. and more, uh, reliable growth factor release over that four week period well then you're getting more out of your prp injection
1: right now that continued light therapy is on um, you know the, the patient comes back for that
0: actually this one the the fact we're talking about right here is a mm-hmm. single time single time exposure
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, of lighting up the actual product before you inject it okay
1: so you light it up after you withdraw you light it up before you inject it so yes. it's all in the vial that you're...
0: It's it's all there. Yep, gotcha. it's, all, it's all in the syringes you're using or whatever containers you're using. It's actually very easy to do this mm-hmm. and pretty quick. So let's talk about this because you already got to the third step, which is using laser afterward right there. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. So three steps here that you can take. Um, and again, we need more research on this. This is just all very preliminary and mm-hmm. we're not going to sit here and make recommendations to a healthcare provider about exactly what you should do This is just interesting stuff that probably in the future we'll see borne out. Mm -hmm. So far, this is what the research is kind of looking like. Step one would be a blood draw completed and then immediately using photobiomodulation on that whole blood before you do anything else to it. obviously you're gonna have your uh, anticoagulant already in the tube, but you can go ahead and as soon as that draw is done, go ahead and expose it to light. You need to have a wavelength somewhere between 750 to 1100 nanometers and you need to be using about 1.5 milliwatts per centimeter squared for your power density, total dosage of one joule per cubic centimeter. So not centimeter squared, we're talking about cubic centimeters, yeah, because we're talking about blood volume. The second step is after you've gone through your centrifuge process, and your multiple draws and you have a PRP solution ready for injection, there you're going to go ahead and light it up again. And this time you need to be between 600 and 1200 nanometers for your wavelength, about five milliwatts per centimeter squared in your power density and between half and 10 joules per centimeter squared, which is going to be kind of difficult to, to calculate. So, um, unfortunately that's what we have right now from the research and it's a big range Half a joule to ten joules per centimeter squared, uh, so you have to figure that out in terms of what volume you have, and you know how to translate that into square centimeters versus cubic centimeters. But that's all we have on the research specifically <laughs> right now. I I do have additional recommendations for our LTI members that I uh, will be talking about here uh, next month in our in our monthly member chat. But this is what the research is showing, so it's best I can give you today. Mm-hmm. Third step is to apply standard dosage photobiomodulation in the region of the injection after the injection. So, number one, light up the whole blood. Number two, light up the PRP right before you inject it. Number three, use light right after the injection to continue to stimulate that factor. And then you already alluded to ongoing light therapy in that 28 day period to continue stimulating more and more growth. That is how you're gonna get the most out of PRP according to the research we have right now. We are gonna learn more. There's more and more coming out. I mean, these studies were from 20 uh, this year, from March of this year. Uh, let's see, 2019, 2020, 2018. So, we're, we're going to be learning a lot more about this in the not too distant future, and that will help to guide some of these um, decisions we can make on parameters uh, and, and exact stepwise decision making there.
1: Mm-hmm. But you already alluded to even, you know, LTI members will. Trying to get more information.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that's great about LTI is we're a membership organization. So we get together once a month and discuss the latest research, what what each of us are seeing in practice with light therapy. Um, and, and it allows us to get a little bit more on the leading edge of what's out there. Again, we're not going to make recommendations for a patient um, or for a, a healthcare practitioner to follow blindly but this is really interesting stuff we can discuss it kind of in a team and then we see what each other are doing we see what works out well we see what doesn't work out well and uh, that's been extremely beneficial for the patients of mm-hmm. our LTI clinics
1: hmm but this is exciting exciting stuff it really so, is it really is good
0: If you want to know more, go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can also follow this podcast. If you don't mind, if you enjoyed today's episode, please scroll down. If you're on an iPhone, give us a rating or review. That helps us get the word out there to more uh, physicians and healthcare providers who are providing light and laser therapy. And if you have additional questions, you can always catch us on email, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. Christy, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you for bringing the research
0: to us. Every every other week, Mm -hmm. I will do my best. (laughs) Yes, yes. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.